One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses musical memories to ignite the storyteller in our guests. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Dr. Brandon Jett. Brandon's a professor at Florida Southwestern State College and an award-winning scholar, writer, and teacher of American history and crime, violence, and criminal justice in the United States. He's the author of Race, Crime, and Policing in the Jim Crow South, which comes out next month. Originally from Houston, Brandon lived in San Marcos, Texas, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Gainesville, Florida, and Winter Park, Florida, before landing in LaBelle, Florida just a couple years ago. That's a small rural town inland from Fort Myers. His brief bio describes himself as, quote, son, husband, father, dog, and cat owner, history professor, author, and someone just generally interested in interesting things and people, end quote. We also are interested in interesting things and people, so this ought to be interesting. Hey there, Brandon. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Great. Good to see you again. Unmasked. Unmasked. We see each other's faces. <laughs> it's been so interesting walking around the building and actually getting to see our coworkers' faces. How long after. have you all been able to do that? Uh, just within the last few days. Yeah. 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 It's a whole new world. Um, dog and cat. Yeah? Yeah. You have a dog and a cat. I have a dog and a cat. So which came first? The cat. So was the dog-cat interaction difficult to maintain when you first because i i've been through this they are they're they're copacetic now yeah but there was a time when it was not so i have kind of a love-hate relationship with my cat uh i got this so i dated this girl uh from high school all throughout college uh and she wanted cats so we had two cats and right before i graduated like a couple months before we broke up and in a moment of spite i said i'm keeping the cats. <laughs> and so if you could just imagine for a moment. Both of them. Both. Okay. Both, right? Like I was really mad. Uh, and so this this one moment, right? This one like brief lapse in judgment uh, that, that I demanded that I keep these two cats really has like Haunted you. Haunted me for the rest of my entire <laughs> life. And if you could think about what, what my life looked like for a moment, I was like a 23-year-old living by myself with two cats. And so I told my mom, like, you got to take one of these or I'm never going to get another date. Like, no woman in their right mind is going to want to date this single 23-year-old with two cats. So she took one, and then I was stuck with this other cat uh, who is still alive uh, and, and very much present in our lives. Um, so I had her first. Um, for maybe seven years, and then my my wife and I uh, got the dog together. So and they I, get along. They get along. Uh, they're both. So my dog is very much not an alpha. So she's very kind of. Um, submissive and willing to do whatever we say. So she kind of lets the cat beat her up and, and, and just kind of brushes it off. Well, the cat's got it made then. What are the names before we get to the uh, actual so the, show? The this is part of the show, but we're going to yeah, get to the Yeah, the cat's show. name is Sophie, uh, and the dog's name is Montana. Um, Montana. So we got the dog after my wife and I went to Montana, and we were, like, canoeing on uh, the Yellowstone River. And all these these groups were there doing it too, and they all had dogs. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this this looks cool. And then when we got back to Gainesville, there was this big sign across the road, and it said, uh, free adoption event at the shelter. We're like, oh, we got to go get it. And as soon as we did, my wife like put something on Facebook. We're like, welcome our new dog, Montana, to the family. So I didn't have any say in it, but it certainly uh, was indicative of, of kind of where we were. Well, good. Well, I'm glad we've cleared all that up. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's important stuff. You it know? is. It is. Uh, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Houston, well, like a suburb outside of Houston, Texas. So, and you lived there until how long? Like all the way through until you went to college or? Yeah. So I lived in, in Cyprus, like a, a suburb uh, until I was 18. And then I moved uh, to college in San Marcos and then back for a few months. What's the earliest memory that involves music that pops into your head that you can recall? The earliest memory that involves music would, would be uh, the first song that I chose. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say because I absolutely hate the song, uh, and it is maybe one of the most annoying songs ever, but um, it's She Drives Me Crazy by the Fine Young Cannibals. Uh, and for no particular reason, this has been like stuck in my head perpetually as long as I can literally remember. But I, I like my first memory of of the song is just driving around with my mom and my brother when we were really little in this old like I think it was an Oldsmobile Cutlass or something like a, a white car, like a big body car. Was it a two door Cutlass? So it was four it? doors. Oh, I want to say. And, like I, I had a two door Cutlass. Maybe I'm just like misremembering like this long. <laughs> it, it felt humongous, right? And I just remember this like cassette player and this this song, uh, the fine young. Cannibals. And this was something your mom was playing on a cassette then? Yeah, she was super into it, I guess. Um, it was big. She bought the cassette. You know, it's not like now where you can just like quickly download a song on right. a whim. It was like she went to the store uh, and like, you know, went to Best Buy, searched the cassettes, found it, and then like purchased it. Like this was this was a thing she was into. So was Fine Young, Young Cannibals, you know, indicative of her musical tastes in general? Or what were your parents listening to is the question. So my dad is more of like a classic rock guy. And I think in a lot of ways he like shaped my, my appreciation for music. My mom is kind of out there. Uh, you know, she was kind of into pop stuff, like whatever was popular at the time. Of course, that waned as like I got into my teenage years. And, you know, I think... One of the first first uh, CDs I bought and played in the car was a Papa Roach CD. Okay. I remember them from back in the day. <laughs> sure. And my mom was like, what am I allowing my kid to listen to? Like, this is, you know, like pretty uh, intense stuff there. But that, that she she was always kind of into some of those like pop stuff, especially in like the late 80s, early 90s when she was still a little bit younger and kind of more into the music scene. Do you have any musical memories associated with your grandparents? Not particularly. Uh, my, both of my grandmothers died before. Well, one died before I was born. The other one died when I was three. So I, you know, I didn't really know them at all. Um, my dad's dad lived in Missouri, and you know, we'd kind of see him a couple of times a year, but he was never really kind of present in in my childhood or kind of in my life at all. Um, like I knew him and stuff. Um, and then my mom's dad, we would see quite regularly, but you know, like like music was never really something that that we kind of engaged with. Um, when we were at their house, it was usually for like holidays or going to eat lunch or something. So never really a moment where we'd like stop gotcha. and listen to something. But if I had to guess, I'd say something like Frank Sinatra esque would be like up his alley. Uh, my grandpa was also from New Orleans, so I'm assuming he was kind of into the jazz scene a little bit. Just an assumption, though. I literally cannot remember a single conversation I ever had with my grandparents about music at all. Was there musical musical instruments being played in anywhere in your life, in your world, your family's world? No, we are very untalented when it comes to music. Although one thing that I do remember vividly is my dad was a big car air guitar guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I remember like the Peter Frampton songs. Um, you know, he just always kind of do this little number. Like, like this is how you play guitar. Like that's how, hey, that's how untalented we are. Hands you know? are roughly in the right position. And I kind of catch myself <laughs> doing that sometimes too. I'm like, God, I, I like maybe it's, it's inescapable. You just like will become your parents in every possible mannerism. Uh, so no, we're 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 in in no way musically inclined at all. But there's certainly an appreciation there. Uh, but I guess if you count air instruments, we're we're there. If you could pick an instrument and learn it instantly, like the Matrix style, which would it be, and why? <laughs> I mean, I guess the default will be just guitar because it's the coolest. But uh, I've always kind of been interested in, like, the banjo. I think it's kind of a slightly 
more esoteric version of the guitar and just has like a really cool sound that when I was younger, I would have been like, this is annoying and podunk. But now that, that, that I'm a little bit older, I guess you kind of appreciate that sound a little bit more and kind of the uniqueness that it brings to the fold. And I just feel like it sounds a little bit smarter when you play the banjo as opposed to just like strumming the guitar like like you know any 15 year old uh can do so i guess the banjo if i could just like pick it up and learn it pretty quickly have you ever seen steve martin play the banjo i i have like loosely but like <laughs> steve martin really isn't so, like that that's kind of a guy that like my parents are always like steve martin's hilarious but when i was growing up it's like you mean the guy from father of the bride like he, he wasn't this like cultural icon with, uh, to me in the Kermit world the Frog. Was my parents. He did a duet with Kermit the Frog. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. That's right. That's it was right. amazing. So you don't love Steve Martin? Nah, not really. No, no. <laughs> Have you seen The Jerk? I mean, bits and pieces, <laughs> bits and pieces. But you know, there's this thing that pops up on on like my Facebook, and it'll be like the master class comedy taught by I've Steve been, Martin. Yeah, they, I've seen that a thousand times. And I see times. that. I'm like, you know, I don't know if that's the target guy you want. Like, I don't know how many baby boomers who were in their like 70s are like. To learn comedy uh, <laughs> from Steve Martin online. I would do it if it was free. Um, uh, first music you owned? Man, first music I owned. I didn't buy this CD, but my parents bought it for me, and it was Nirvana's Unplugged, uh, that like New York concert. It was on uh, the MTV when they used to yeah, do yeah. like actual music stuff. Uh, the Unplugged. My dad and I like randomly watched that. Like I wasn't really a Nirvana fan when I first saw it. I think I was sick actually. Just kind of laying in bed watching TV, and my dad was in there with me, and we kind of stumbled upon this concert. Thought it was kind of cool, uh, and then. I didn't really recognize the the importance of it. Like looking back, I was like, "This is like this, this like quintessential kind of concert, one of the best unplugged concerts." I didn't really get that at the time. Um, and then a few years later, my neighbor introduced me to like Nirvana. Um, you know, after they had already died and kind of were no longer a band, but he's like, "Look how cool this they didn't guy all is. die." Well, right, right. But you know, <laughs> Kurt Cobain kind of after him. Where where do they all go? I guess they become the Foo Fighters. But, right. Uh, yeah, that that was the first CD that that my parents bought for me, at least that I can remember them buying for me. Did you ever make uh, mix CDs or mixtapes? All the time. Well, I guess I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, burning CDs was something I think we all did as like teenagers in the early two thousands, the Napster days. So we were we were <laughs> right after Napster. You were right after I'm trying to think of because I remember yeah. that. God, it's almost embarrassing to say out loud, but yeah, like CD burning parties and all those like random gold plated like CDs that you didn't really it would just be like CD1 CD2 yeah, 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 and they're yeah. all just kind of strewn about in your car somewhere did you ever make a, a mix for someone no I wasn't really into that uh, and and maybe it was like too vulnerable to be like here's here's my mixtape for you uh, but I do explicitly remember like all of our friends like one of my friends had a had a burner on his on his computer and so we would all go over to their house and like, download music and like fight for the ability to like make our perfect mix and think that we were cooler than the other person it was like the future yeah it was and it, it <laughs> seemed like we were doing something really kind of like cutting edge and super cool uh, and also, like, massively illegal, which is also kind of fun, too, as, like, a young person. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned what your first song is. We, yeah. are, we are to that point. All right. So, um, go. So, so <laughs> I, I, I guess I have the option to hear it first or you hear get it to, hear You get it to later. choose how you would like to proceed. So I you feel can, like you can we kind should... of tell a little or you can tell it all or you can... Yeah, so I, I guess I already kind of teased it a little bit. I will just say I haven't heard this song in, in maybe, like, I'm 35 now, maybe like 
three decades, maybe like slightly really? under three decades. Like it's not a song I listen to ever, uh, but it's perpetually stuck in my head. Like I find myself at the most inopportune moments, like about to give a, a conference paper for this project I've been working on for years in front of like a, an audience of, of my academic peers. Like I'm really nervous. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, she drives me crazy. It's like, oh no, not now, not now. Yeah. And I mean, so I I guess I, I kind of selfishly like to hear it because I, I, I just haven't heard it in so long. Uh, you gonna sing along? Oh uh, no, I'm horrible at it, and and I guess I should apologize to everybody for for getting this song stuck in their head now for the next next several years. Well, let's listen to it. Will you I, sing along to it? Uh, I'll at least mouth along yeah, to yeah. it because I'm pretty sure I will know the words because we, it you know it we was all know everywhere. the chorus. Um, this and is the guitar rift. Yeah, this is she drives me crazy by the fine the fine young cannibals off their 1989 album The Raw and the Cooked. know if my mom is going to be happy or or upset that that I just told everybody that that this was this was the first memory I have musically of her tastes uh, fine young cannibals it has a lot going on like it's the not, little guitar that, now that I'm, I'm like hear it again it's not as bad as I remember but it's funny like like we said while I was playing I didn't remember any of the words no. except the chorus I was like surely I'll remember the words to this nope and you know what's awesome? I was talking to our neighbor yesterday, uh, and I told him I was coming on here. And he was like, oh, like, what are your songs? I said, The Fine Young Cannon. And immediately he just starts belting out that, that, <laughs> that chorus. I, maybe it's just everybody who was around that time that heard it once. It's just ingrained somewhere. So you said you hadn't heard it in a long time, but it still runs through your head, like, throughout your daily life. Yeah. Having heard it now, again, is this going to be like a booster shot? Is this going to be like... <laughs> I don't know if I needed a booster shot. I feel like it's just all, like, in the shower a lot of times. It just, like, comes out. Um, I was like, what are you doing in there? I'm just, like, humming fine young cannibals to, to myself. It's, it's surprising that she ever agreed to marry me with someone who just, like, has this song constantly playing. He sounds... His voice sounds kind of like Aaron Neville. You remember Aaron Neville? No, I'm not familiar. Aaron... Uh, Jared, look up Aaron Neville. He had a hit. We're going to play a little bit of it to see if my <laughs> memory's right. Um, yeah, look up uh, Aaron Neville's biggest hit because I know he had one that was like bigger than She Drives this Me Crazy. One? Yeah. Is there a song bigger than She Drives Me Crazy? Uh, Hopefully. Aaron Neville, what was it? Something about love? Something. Yeah, I, I just couldn't even believe that this song was real for the longest time. It was just stuck in my mind. And then like to have that confirmation on VH1, it was really, really great. You should get like Pandora and put in like the Fine Young Cannibals cha- uh, channel and, and just see, see what the algorithm plays. You got anything? What do you got? We got uh, Everybody Plays the Fool, 1999. Yeah, let's play a little bit of that. Let's hear it. 91, excuse me. Two years later. Yeah, right in that genre. <laughs> I can see that. He's got a little bit more, a little like, more soul. smooth and yeah. soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get to the hook. I she drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear it. Maybe a duet. A duet is due, like a reunion so duet. The thing I each cover the yeah, other video. Yeah. It's kind oh, of like I a love brunch. it. I okay. love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't thought of Aaron Neville in a long time. Yeah, now um, it too will be stuck in your head. Yeah. Um, so you say you don't sing. So have you done karaoke? I mean, so that's not true. I do sing. You know, occasionally. I. I bad at it, uh, and I kind of hate hearing my own voice, but I, I used to do karaoke, I don't want to say quite a bit, but I had like a stretch, like a summer. Uh, so you've done karaoke. Uh, yeah. Never yeah. find Young Cannibals, though. Never find Young Cannibals. Again, it's not it's not a song that's really like up front in my like Rolodex. It's not on it any of my like It would be fun to do iTunes. on karaoke, though, because you could just ignore all the normal words, the right, chorus, right. and just be like... 
and just and wait, just and just wait, <laughs> and just belt out the. It's definitely a, a karaoke song that probably need. I guess all karaoke songs need a little bit of alcohol involved. Right. My go-to karaoke song was uh, God, the Righteous Brothers. Uh, you know, on Top Gun when they all sing. Oh, like, um, you've lost that love and feeling. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that that's, was always my that's like pretty go-to. Uh, ambitious for a guy who claims not to sing. Yeah, I felt like I could kind of get away with a little bit because everybody would just be like flashback to Top Gun and be like, right. oh, Tom Cruise. Like, okay, we'll we'll forgive him a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but that was always my my go-to karaoke song. Uh, first band that you became like, this is a band that I like. I'm going to start getting their music, maybe wear a shirt. Was there one of those? Oh, gosh, this is so embarrassing. I mean, maybe it's not all that embarrassing. But Blink-182 was was one of the like first bands that I chose to go to a concert. So my dad would drag me to concerts sometimes. But Blink-182 was the first one. I think so they, they toured. Uh, it was Green Day, Blink-182, and then Jimmy Eat World, if you remember Jimmy Eat World. and uh, Richard would know about all this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Tara, Tara knows. Tara doesn't have a mic today, so she's like miming back there. <laughs> like, yeah, Jimmy Eat World was hilarious because they— had one song. Um, God, I can't even remember what it is now. But uh, as they were playing all the other ones, like they came on first and was like, just get just get to the real one. And then we'll <laughs> listen to like Green Day and Blink-182. But Blink-182 was one that I really liked. They kind of were really popular in my like eighth grade, ninth grade. Tenth. So right when I'm kind of coming into my own, right as Kazaa's out there and we can like burn CDs. I, I think I bought the concert shirt. Uh, and what, God, what was that album? Take take your pants off and jacket or something like that. Mm. So they were like right in that like kind of immature kind of young like male. jacket like that you would wear. Right, that's the I, way. Yeah, yeah clever. Yeah. Like all all their music videos. <laughs> you know, they had like like busty women on there. So it was like. Just really targeting those those young teenage boys, uh, but I went to that concert and you know like I had the shirt and that was when like all my friends were kind of like really excited about going to this concert, and then you know wearing the shirt the next day in high school and like proving to everyone yeah. that you were super cool. It's like your brand and, now. Yeah, yeah. Like you're <laughs> in, you're in. I'm super cool. Um, first concert you went to that you can remember, or first live music experience like as a kid. So one it relates to to my second song. I'd say like I. I remember my parents bringing me to these things, and I'm sure they do them now, uh, where it's like Sesame Street characters, and then they all like do a little performance, and they like play music. So I like I have these vague memories of going to things like, like that, like little fairs, like things like maybe WGCU would put one on, yeah, or, or like not not quite Disney on Ice or anything like that. Oh, but like okay. you come and it's like <clears throat> Elmo is singing Elmo's greatest hits or whatever like that. I feel, I feel like we did something akin to that. Um, so I don't know if, if you want me to go into the second song that I chose. No. I can kind of loosely introduce the concert if you want. We'll, we'll pause. Yeah. We'll pause. Um, high school. You went to high school when? So 1989 to two, 2003. What was the overall musical vibe at the school? Like what were the, you know, what were the different main forces of yeah. clicks of, you know, musical styles? Kind of eclectic, I guess, for like a, a white suburb. Um, but I went to one of the oldest schools in the district. It used to be really rural. So we had a, a pretty strong contingent of like country music. Uh, they had what what they call 4-H here. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called there. You know, so like that was pretty Texas big. probably 5-H. Right, right. Just a little <laughs> bit bigger, yeah. a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, so like country music was big. Obviously, like rap uh, was was kind of popular. But I was always into the kind of like I guess a little pop. This was around the time of like boy bands. Like my friends and I had this grandiose plan of like starting a boy band and making it big. Really? Which character uh, were you going to be? So we never really got off because again, my voice is <laughs> terrible and everybody's voices were. 
terrible, but we did practice a couple dance moves, and then I think it, we, we had like a month of really trying, and we thought, you know, this this is really going poorly. A month, though? That's a long time to try to work out a boy You band. know, like in in between <laughs> other other sure. things, but uh, yeah, we were certainly like, okay, like maybe Did we you have could, a name? No name. It was just like five guys trying to like master in syncs, like, you know, bye-bye-bye dance moves, and I think our, our thinking was if we can get this down, it's only a matter of time before we start replicating it and, and really kind of superseding uh, the Justin Timberlakes of the world, but it didn't really take off. Uh, I, I, I had some friends who also tried to form like a band. You know, we had like a there, there was a drummer. Uh, one of my friends bought a bass guitar kind of out of nowhere to try and like start this band. Another kid was was a guitarist, uh, but they had no lead singer. Uh, but we did find a recording of one of my friends kind of recording his own kind of songs. And I remember the title. It was called Don't Push Me. And I just remember he, like, had this, like, don't push me or I'm going to get pissed. And he had this kind of, like, <laughs> drawn-out thing. So there, there was, like, some some attempts to create some some of our own songs. Some of the popular ones at the time, like, in addition to the boy bands and Blink-182, oh, God, what is it? Um, Limp Bizkit. Do you guys remember Limp mm-hmm. Bizkit at all? They were... Kind of oddly. I know popular. Tara does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Limp Biscuit was out there. Fred, what's his name? Fred Dur- Durst. Uh, it's going to be Fred Durst, and I think you're referring to hot dog flavored water, chocolate starfish. Yeah, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored yeah, water. Come on, no. Uh, you know, I, like that was kind of percolating around I still around bump there. break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of as eclectic as I guess uh, uh, you could really get. But Houston is, is kind of a hot music scene um, in ways that I guess I didn't really appreciate. Like there was a lot of rap music coming out of Houston uh, that became super popular for a little while. Uh, you know, like... Mike Jones and Chameleon Air, uh, Slim Thug, like they were all coming at Paul Wall. If if you remember, like the Grills, uh, Paul Wall was was kind of coming up. Um, so there was like this, this kind of interesting kind of genre of music that was kind of I guess Houston specific and kind of percolated out. It was like this chopped and screwed kind of weird thing that just like made our parents cringe. But you know we all went and like bought bass for our our cars and like blare this this kind of very Houston specific rap that was kind of cool. Tears coming in. I, I just have a question. When you hear someone go, who? Yeah. What do you what do you think? Two eight one three three zero eight six or what? Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Yeah. Like there there was this phone number. and It was like you know you're from Houston if you can finish this phone number. Um, yeah. Who is Mike Jones? Was 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 a big one. That that is on 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 my iTunes playlist still. You know you kind of have to download that. There was another group. Was it Chameleon Air or Slim Thug? One of them. We used to like drive around and smoke pot. And one of the neighborhoods we'd go around was this this kind of nicer neighborhood called Rock Creek. And, you know, it was like largely white. And at night there was this, this one house. And the rumor was that either Slim Thug um, or one of the other guys like lived there. But there was this white van with like his face just parked on the side <laughs> of it. And we always just like cracked up at the idea of this like wealthy white suburb. And then you have this like black rapper that just lives there with his face on this white van. I don't know if that was even true, but we always just drove by them. Like, yeah, whoever in the house was just a big fan. Right. <laughs> like, maybe they just really loved that that genre of music. But we always were trying to, like, build up the courage. Like, just go up there and knock and ask, you know. But we never never crossed that threshold. Did you, uh, you go to high school dances? Do you remember yeah. what you first ever slow danced to? Oh, man, no. That's a great question. So I, I, I went to an eighth grade. We had an eighth grade dance, and I was really nervous. And I, I actually had a date. Um, I asked this girl to go with me, and then my friend asked her friend to go. So we kind of went together. I, I don't remember any of the songs that were actually played there, um, but I certainly went to that. And then Homecoming is big in, in Texas. I don't know if, if Homecoming's big here. Yeah. Uh, but like Mums, do you all know what Mums are? Is it a 
huge tract of land. Close. <laughs> it's a gigantic. You were like, <laughs> yeah. So there's these there's like gi- gigantic flower it's a designs flower. Oh, that it's like a flower bouquet. You spend hundreds on, and you like. Uh, so, so it's like the corsage, but you call it yeah, a mum. Or yeah. It's made of mums. The flower yeah, mums. Yeah. It's it's made of mums. It's like gaudy and gigantic and super expensive. And so like if you go to homecoming, you get your date a big mum. And so that, you know like you've got these girls walking around. They wear these gigantic mums on their on their chest. Like kind of like attaches on. And then the guys wear these garters on their side. And I didn't have a date for the first two. And it's always like this really telling thing. We're like, oh, here's all the losers who don't have dates to homecoming. And you can tell because they don't they don't have a mom. Um, but I went my <laughs> junior and senior year for sure. But no, I don't remember any of the songs that were on there. But we certainly did slow dance in that awkward way that like junior high kids slow dance. We kind of like stayed on separate sides of the of the cafeteria and then like came together for the slow dance because no one wanted to dance to the real songs. That feels very eighth grady. Right, right. Yeah. It's kind of quintessentially eighth grade. Um, okay, it is now time for your second song. So All right. you can get back to what you were starting to before. Yeah, so the first concert I ever was taken to, my dad uh, took me to this concert. It was Tom Petty. Yeah. Uh, I was in fourth grade. I didn't know who Tom Petty was. Um, my dad's friend worked for Texaco, which is now Shell is kind of a big, big gas company, and somehow he got tickets to Tom Petty. So he brought his son, who was who was close in age to me, and my dad. My dad brought me, and uh, we were on the tenth row, which was I thought super cool. You know, I didn't know Tom Petty, but I knew ten was close, uh, and so it <laughs> felt really cool and like really VIP. Um, and when the concert started, I I didn't really know what was going on, and everybody was standing up, and it was really hard for me to see. And I remember the security guard was like, "Hey, come here," and he let me go to the very front. So I wow. ended up like my very first. And how concert, old were you? Uh, fourth grade. So okay. I, I don't know what that was, but You're like nine, less or than ten, like maybe. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got to like my very first concert. I'm in the front row uh, of this Tom Petty concert. Uh, I've never been in the front row of a concert ever again in my entire life. But I really started off with a bang there. Did you make eye contact with him? I feel like I did. Like, I feel like Tom Petty appreciated <laughs> me being there, although he was probably, like, glossing right over me because I, I barely made it above. Did you recognize any of the music? I th- or was it all just, like, completely novel? Like Most of it was, like, I... I remember bragging to my friends that I was going to Tom Petty's concert, having no real idea who Tom Petty was. Like, I, I knew a Free Fallen... Uh, you know, that was just the song that was on the radio. My dad listened to classic music or classic rock music all the time in the car. So I, I was kind of f- familiar with that one song. But the rest of it was just completely unknown to me. Um, I knew somehow that he he smoked pot. Like, I remember telling my friends and for like, I didn't really know what that was. But I remember telling my friend, like, I knew it was something that was kind of wrong. I was like, hey, my dad's like taking me to this concert. Um, and this guy, like Tom Petty, he, he smokes pot, like. I'm cool, right? Um, so I, I, I was super excited, but I didn't really know why I was excited. I think I was just happy to be going with my dad and happy to be doing this thing that seemed really old and, and kind of like mature for, for my age. Um, Why'd you pick this song? So this particular song, it's it's Into the Great Wide Open uh, by Tom Petty. It's it's my favorite Tom Petty song. So, I didn't... so Tom Petty stuck with you then? At yeah. Least so Initially, or did you have to come back to Tom Petty? So Tom Petty, for no real... For no real conscious reason, I didn't make a choice. He's been kind of like omnipresent throughout my life in really strange ways. So like first concert, my dad took me to Tom Petty. And actually, whenever I called my dad a couple months ago when you first broached the idea, I was like, yeah, they've got this thing, three song stories, and you like pick three songs. like, Tom Petty. Like first thing that (laughs) popped into his mind, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, But when I was in in college – 
my my best friend in college, Tom Petty, was one of his his favorite artists. He was into classic rock. I was into classic rock through my dad, so I kind of knew of Tom Petty throughout like my my entire adolescence. But Under the Great Wide Open was his favorite song, and he introduced it to me. Um, but I went to uh, ACL Austin City Limits, which is this big music uh, festival in Austin. It was originally a, like a three day concert. Now it's over two weekends. It's really this kind of massive thing. But Tom Petty was the headliner for the one that I went to. I, you know, I didn't choose to go just because he was there. I just wanted a Saturday day pass, and he was the headliner. Uh, so I went there with some friends. Um, the, one of the first dates my wife and I ever went on was to a Tom Petty concert in Houston. Um, so in really kind of cool ways, he's he's kind of been present throughout. Um, he's from Gainesville, or at least grew up in Gainesville. I went to he's UF to get my PhD. Yeah. And interestingly, after he died, um, again, unplanned, my best friend in Gainesville, he had tickets to a UF homecoming game. They were playing LSU. He invited me to it. And um, they had a tribute to Tom Petty uh, at halftime. And and so, again, there's like Tom Petty just kind of inserting himself into my life for no real reason. But it was almost uh, hilarious because as this tribute is being played, like everybody in the audience knew what was going on. You know, you've got like 80, 100,000 people in this in this um dome or in this arena and and we know that there's going to be a tribute but apparently the only people that didn't know there was going to be a tribute was the LSU band because at the exact same time that this Tom Petty tribute is going oh, on the LSU band <laughs> they start playing some like stupid fight song and the entire like 90,000 people collectively boo the <laughs> and you know, like I just imagine this band director's like, "What's going on?" Like I, I know they healthy rivalry. Us. Like everybody's giving them the bird. Like F- you, just yelling. And then like someone must have got into his ear because very abruptly the entire band just like just stopped, <laughs> and they they kind of continued this tribute. Um, but he's he's just kind of been been kind of present throughout. I could have picked any song. I think Free Fallen is is an obvious choice. But I remember when I saw Tom Petty at at ACL. You know, he's playing all of his other songs. He's got so many great songs. Mm-hmm. I really do appreciate him as an artist. Um, and he made this kind of offhanded comment that really stuck with me. And he was like, "All right, now it's time to give a nod to all those like casual fans." Uh, and play Free Fallen. And and to me, it kind of seems like he hated it. Like. Hated that that was the song that everybody knows him for. Obviously appreciates the success it brought him, but just kind of really had this this kind of uh, offhanded, like, all right, let's just get it out of the way. It wasn't the last song. It was like kind of stuck in the middle of the concert. Uh, and I thought that was really kind of this interesting moment where like the thing that brought you perhaps your most success is also the thing that you're kind yeah. of the most tired of. So I thought it was really uh, kind of cool to, to to hear an artist be be pretty open uh, about about their relationship with their most popular song. Well, let's listen to it. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Tom Petty was the artist that I've seen the most. Yeah, I think I've seen him five or six times. Yeah, I mean, he, he must have just traveled. Yeah, and, consistently. And, and one of my earliest musical memories, as I was listening to you, is you know when MTV first came out in those early days. He had the video for. Um, Good love is hard to find mm-hmm. when it starts off with like they roll up on those crazy ass motorcycles yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah. a futuristic like Mad Max set yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I just remember I didn't know who he was at the time, but I just remember that video. I mean, I must have been like ten or something. Right, and it right. was just like, what is this? Yeah, or the traveling Wilburys. Yeah, yeah. I think what it was called? I, I, my dad was really into them, and I didn't really understand why or the significance of the group, but I knew Tom Petty was in it, and so I kind of was, was drawn to it a little bit because he had always had this well, affinity for Tom Petty. Every show I saw his, they did, they put it, left it all out on the stage. It was so good all the way to the very end. They played encores. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he was definitely awesome. Yeah. All right, into the great wide open, Tom had, Petty. 
Are you familiar with Into the Great Wide Open? Is it is it one that was like on your radar? I can sing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I just never heard of it. And then my best friend yeah. in college was like, Oh, I mean, yeah, I know Petty, it now. You'll I mean, love this one. Yeah, no, but it's I not one of the more popular thing. ones, I guess. No, I I think it's awesome, and I love Tom Petty. Me too. It's a sad thing. Nineteen ninety one album of the same name. know if i've ever heard him play that song live either now that i'm kind of going back through all the concerts so had it not been for that friend i probably would have never even heard of that song hmm. before did you get or are you interested in getting they just did the big release of all his stuff like there's a oh, new really? there's like a new box set that has everything oh. all remastered blah 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 blah. i'll have to take a look you know unfortunately my like Ability to engage in and indulge in, like, music of my choosing has been severely curtailed by my daughter, who's like, no, we're just going to listen to Frozen again. How again. old is your daughter? Uh, she's four and a half. Uh, so right in that age where she, like, knows certain songs that she wants to listen to. Um, Have you shown her, what is it, uh, what was the one about the... Polynesian guy, God and the girl Moana. 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 Oh, she is a big fan of Moana. She is a big fan of Moana. I have a, a, a nephew who was about that age. And about two years ago, he was probably four. Mm-hmm. I was up in Kansas City visiting them and he just had it on loop. Oh, yeah. Moana was just oh, yeah. on loop just all day, every day. And you know, <laughs> the sad thing is like some of those songs aren't that bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I Actually, Lin-Manuel Miranda um, wrote uh, a lot of them. So you're like, okay, this is kind of cool. But after you hear them for like the thousandth time yeah. on your one hour car Can you ride, sing a little, you know, little Frozen for us? A little Frozen? I'm trying to think of her. So her favorite Let one, it go. But that's not her favorite one. There's... Um, <laughs> There's a song that the mom in, in the second one that the mom sings. Oh, there's a second one. Oh, there's a second one. See, my daughter's 16 now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, now now I'm totally blanking on it because you put me on the spot. Um, but she sings this song to her daughters um, before they like go to bed, and so my daughter. Whenever she like Frozen to, Two Lullaby, Jared. Look it's it the up. first one. Oh God, I'm completely blanking on it. But when my daughter oh, it's from the to, first one or the second? I'm sorry, the second one. It's okay. the first song on the album of the second one. Um, whenever she wants to it's, comfort uh, me, she'll kind of like rub my head and sing it. It's all is found. All is found. Let's hear right. a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up um, real quick while he's pulling that up. Uh, that Tom Petty doc is called uh, "Running Down a Dream." Right. Came out in 2007. It's four hours and 19 minutes long. Oh, my wife will hate me for that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's just so fascinating. Um, I heard this story that he he was retelling. Of, no, like, you, of like his later years, he was in Los Angeles or something, and he was recounting why his wife won't let him drive anymore. And it was because he was like convinced he saw a UFO once, like midday, and just was like driving around in his car going like super slow and ended up getting into like a slow speed accident as he was just like staring up at the sky, like following this UFO. And I was like, what? Like, what a Tom Petty story. This dude who's probably smoked way too much marijuana in his lifetime being like, that's a UFO. Let me get in the car and, and drive around Los Angeles listen track it down <laughs> is this it oh yeah you got it yeah so my daughter like rubs my face it's she'll, she'll like sing it uh, <laughs> and pretend like she's singing it to you like yeah, you're a little like, baby calm, like calm me down uh so you know it's kind of cute and adorable and you can't really get mad at her for doing that but yeah she she knows to like let it go one but this is her like the one that she'll just comfort me with Wait till she starts getting older and starts bringing music into the house. Or, like, the big one is, is, you know, when my daughter was 
I don't know, like eight or something, suddenly a song would come on that I never exposed to her, mm-hmm. her to, and her mom never exposed her to. But she just knows all the words. Yeah. It's like, w- yeah. did you learn that at, at, at fourth grade? Like, did you learn that at Tangled Elementary <laughs> This school? is what they're doing How in the school these days? I think they just beam it into their heads. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, works. so we our friends got us a Google Nest or Home or something. I don't really know what it is. But it's it's one of those things where you just be like, hey, Google, play this. Right. And she knows that now. So sometimes she'll just say, hey, Google, play like a flower song. And then, you know, something random comes on. And, like, if you're not paying attention, she's listening to this thing over and over. And then she starts singing this stuff. I'm like, where, where the hell did that come from? Um, do you and your wife's musical tastes align? Or if they don't, where don't they? Yes and no. So I am very much a product of my dad, you know, classic rock. So I, I kind of am partial to classic rock. Um, you know, I like the Tom Petty's. The concert we went and saw together, she was nice and, like, bought bought us tickets because she knew I liked Tom Petty. And ZZ Top was actually there with them, which if you're, like, from Texas and Houston in particular, like, ZZ Top is a must, like, a must-listen-to band. And I actually enjoyed— Texas Beatles. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this as you brought up the Beatles. I, I don't think I like the Beatles. Like— you don't have to be shy. And I know that that's kind of like an unpopular it's like thing. one out of seven people based on the data we've collected from yeah, the show. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I should like the Beatles, and I, like, I have all their albums on my, on my like, Apple music. And I was you recently feel like going obliged through and, to like, listen to them? Yeah, and I was, like, purging <laughs> stuff because my data was running out. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to get rid of all of these Beatles songs because I— Every time they come on, I just skip them. I don't really like them. But ZZ Top, like, man, they they rock. They really stole the show. And I remember being, like, a little disappointed. It, it, it's hard to go from, like, the hard rock, like, hard, like, jam of, of a ZZ Top and then to, like, Tom Petty, who, who like, rocks but is a little, like, more mellow than, yeah. than, you know, the ZZ Top. And I think, I hope ZZ Top brings a little bit extra something when they're in Houston because, you know, that's where they're from. Interesting story. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> my mom would always tell me these things about her growing up, and she said, like, ZZ Top lived down, like, the two guys lived down the street from her when she was growing up. Uh, although she also said that Bum Phillips lived down the street from her when they were growing up because, and she would say she would, like, play with his daughters or something. Also, this this woman who, I guess, dated Melissa Etheridge at some point also lived down the street from my mom. So I don't know if my mom just makes all this stuff up. She also said the guy from... You know, in Apollo 13, Ed Harris's character, yeah, whoever the real person was, my right. mom also claims lived that that person street. lived down the street. So either the longest street ever uh, <laughs> in Houston history or just a really eclectic mix of cool people. So um, what music – so ZZ Top, is that what your wife doesn't like to listen to? She's more into like 80s bands. Like she loved <clears throat> 80s bands. Um, her and her dad – I don't know the like influence fathers have on our musical preferences, but she loves like 80s bands. Um when I brought up, like, you've lost that love and feeling, she doesn't think Righteous Brothers. She thinks Hall and Oates. Uh, and, like, that's her, like, that's her style. Uh, and I just don't really like 80s music. Um, I don't know. It's just not really my style. So that's what she's really into. Um, and, and I'm kind of into that, like, a little bit earlier kind of rock and roll. But she'll still listen to it and, and you know, doesn't get upset about it. But I just can't stand 80s music. I was on Reddit the other day, and I just stumbled down this weird little rabbit hole where somebody was talking about how – Daryl Hall and John Oates, that's the name of the band. Like, if you look at the album, it says Daryl Hall and John Oates. (laughs) But nobody calls them that. They call them Hall and Oates. And apparently there's like... 
according to the people on this thread, that's like a thing for those guys. It's like, why don't they call us by our the name? The real band. <laughs> I never even heard of Hall Notes in my entire life until my wife brought them up. Like, oh, you mean this this song by this band? It's like, no, no, that's not who sings that song. Even in Wikipedia is just Hall Notes. <laughs> <laughs> so if that doesn't say anything. I hope that they sit at home and they like try to change it, but other people come in and edit the Wikipedia you page You do a whole back. like mockumentary about that. <laughs> um, uh, history. You are, you're you were you always a history buff like you know we don't need to go too far on yeah. it but you know you're a historian history teacher was that like always your path No uh you know I think I'm I'm as interested in history as like the lay person is you know like all right there's some cool stuff that happened in the past I'd like to learn about it I was always kind of into documentaries uh, and stuff, but it's not—it's not something that I was like when I'm when I'm eight. You know, I want to go be a, right. a history professor. I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time, hmm. um, and I got ready. I like took the LSAT, was ready to apply to schools, and I went and talked to uh, an admissions counselor from one of them. I wasn't smart enough to get into you know like a Harvard or anything, but like a private law school in Houston. And I just hated the vibe. It was very cutthroat. Um, the guy was lying to me. He was like, the great thing about getting your law degree is you just like get out and take the first six-figure job that comes your way. And like, I know that's not what lawyers experience coming from like middle-tier law schools. You know, it's very much like uh, a somewhat precarious right. line of work. And so I was like, this is this is not for me. And then I was like, well, I, I like the law and I want to teach. So what's another way I can I can do that? Uh, history yeah. seemed like like the best way to go about doing that. Has music ever interacted with your work, either as a teacher or as a historian, looking up information? You know, is music in that world for you? So one of the things I, I've I've always had in the back of my mind, as as I've gotten older and maybe more depressed, I don't know, I've gotten more into like that that like early blues music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to do, and I don't know how well I could pull it off, is like look at the ways in which blues singers were were kind of critiquing criminal justice mm. uh, through their music. Music. Like there's there, there's a lot of references to like the sheriff or being locked up, um, and see if I can like pull out or tease out some threads in in terms of like how kind of African Americans' experiences and interactions and critiques of the criminal justice system were kind of being being articulated and spread uh, via like blues, huh. uh, things like that. I don't know if I can pull it off, but but it would give me a great excuse to go listen to a bunch of, of blues music. Do you know Clay Motley? No, but I think you brought him up. Is he the guy that's in like Delta, like like the Mississippi Delta? No, he's the guy who sent me to the Mississippi okay, Delta. Okay, okay. Clay Motley is a dean of the Honors College here at FGCU. Uh, okay, but he's also like a history professor, and he's working on a history of the blues in the South. Oh, cool. Uh, primarily Clarksdale, which yeah. is where I wound up going. Oh, so, I'll, I'll have to reach out. Yeah, to you him. you two should interact yeah, because yeah. Uh, he could probably at least. Yeah, you guys should talk. Yeah, I think that would be so cool. And, you know, again, just give me an excuse to listen to a bunch of old blues songs. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you've got a, a, a Google um, data collection device in right, your house. Right, right, right. We're being uh, listened to. <laughs> uh, but uh, is that how you listen to music at home these days? Do you have vinyl? Do you, like, how do you listen to music in your day-to-day life? We're very lazy. So we've got that We've got that Google Play, I think it's called, and, uh, you know, which is, hey, play this. Um, I've got, you know, my, my does Apple. Does it play it then on other speakers? or does We're it just, not that advanced. It just we honestly, comes out of it. <laughs> it just comes out of it. Oh. You know, when we first opened it, our friends are so nice and they're so thoughtful and they got us this thing for Christmas. And so we like opened it and it looked cool, but we had no idea what we're just like, oh, thank you. Can you please tell us what in the hell we're supposed to do with this thing? And though, so it, it apparently can do all these really cool things and like connect to to like your your smart devices everywhere and control like locking your house. We, we can't do that. So we just use it to play music. 
Um, so no vinyl. No, no vinyl. Um, you know, my <laughs> we just bought a new car like a month ago, and my wife has this Oasis CD that has just I don't know it's it's been in her car forever, and she got into our new car and like was looking for a place to put it in, and lo and behold, they, there are no CD players in cars anymore. So, so it's uh, your first uh, non CD player. Car. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I still have a CD player in my car. Her, her car's a 2012, and it has a CD player. Mine was a 2003, so it was still operating on like the cassette. Do you ever have the cassette? set adapter for your disc man? No, nothing worked. Like, my car was so old and so beat up. Like, the cigarette lighter didn't work. I couldn't plug in my phone and, like, get it to function. So we we, we mostly just use our, like, smart devices to listen to songs. I was pumped to find out about Apple Music. I didn't know that was a thing until, like, two or three years ago. And so, like, a chump, I was still, like, buying Apple albums, you know, like, getting the gift cards and buying the albums. And my students uh, at Rollins were like, you're, you're an idiot. old time, Yeah, Brandon. you are so, you're, like, such an idiot. They're like, for, like, five bucks, you can get every song. And then I just, like, went crazy and downloaded everything. That's where I got, like, every Beatles album. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I got to get rid of some of this stuff because I'm not listening to half of it. And it really is kind of burdensome to go through all these songs you don't really care about to get to the, like, one you like. So, yeah, we're very, very kind of outdated and antiquated, I guess. In, Do in you guys ever listen to music on the radio in your car, like FM radio? So... No. Uh, for one, my car, my, my 2003 Volkswagen, it didn't really work. Like the only So you don't thing, have it anymore? Or is no, it we just now? traded it in. Uh, we just traded it in. So I am now moving into the world of 2012. You're 2012. Yeah, Understood. Yeah, she, she's here 2021. Um, but yeah, I, I actually could, could loosely get NPR when I drive between LaBelle and Cluison, but it was a little murky. So I would always joke that like I've got all like an hour of just quiet self-reflection in the car ride to and from my job in Cluison twice a week. That can be really uh, a little daunting and, and terrifying when you just start going down this rabbit hole of your own thoughts and minds in yeah. just absolute silence. And so during just, like sugar or uh, orange harvesting season, right, you've got to battle, like, ba battle with all the trucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and just like flames on either side of you. So I'm excited to move into, you know, the last decade and, and finally have some, some type of ability to listen to music. But we usually just plug our phones in and kind of have that. I honestly couldn't tell you a single radio station here in Fort Myers except for Trump Country, which I saw advertised a couple of times. They ended up changing their format back. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah that Weird. Was a, that was a short-lived <laughs> thing. Do you still have any of your old burn CDs? Is there like a uh, case I toss somewhere mine, in here? Uh, a I guess when we moved from Winter Park to to LaBelle. So the good thing about mu about moving, you know, like every two years for the last like decade is that you got to get rid of some of that stuff. And so you'd look at these things like, when am I going to listen to Brandon Jams 2003, <laughs> you know? Uh, and they were all scratched up anyway because you just like threw them around in your car and let them move around. My wife still has. She's got this Oasis CD uh, and we've got this trunk. She like refuses to get rid of her DVDs even though we don't have a DVD player. And she's got these like old burned CDs. That'll be like Dory Summer, you know, 2003, all these like, which I guess would be kind of cool to go back and listen to now and be like, what were you thinking in summer of 2003? Right. Uh, LaBelle, you've been there how long? Two years. Two years. Any um, musical experiences out there? So they actually did something kind of cool like during the off or I guess the end season when it's not terribly hot. So from like October to April, they would do these like downtown concerts um, once a month, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, the kind of local bands that come out there and like play some of their own songs and then usually just like their covers of, of other things that are kind of cool. Uh, the local sheriff has a band apparently who will like play at some of the things. Um, you know, I'm not 
big fan of his as, as a sheriff, so I don't really support his, his music. A lot of country stuff out there. Um, but they've got a couple of, like, restaurants that'll have, like, someone come play the acoustic guitar and stuff while you eat. But, you know, COVID, we weren't. We weren't really going out to listen to some of these things. But uh, there's certainly an apparatus for it. Their big civic park is, is outdoors. It's got a little, like, stage set up. So they certainly try. Um, and and there's there's a venue there. And apparently they have concerts out at the Sugar Festival, which I've never been to, but that's out in Clewiston. And they kind of bring in some bigger country bands and things like that. Uh, you came from Winter Park? Winter Park. is How's Winter Park compared to LaBelle? So Winter Park is like the wealthiest suburb in Orlando. Um, oh, okay. And this, Winter Haven? Is Winter that, Haven is another one. There, you know, there's all these like, weird those, names. So neither one of those are small rural towns. No, oh, no. Although okay. <laughs> um, Winter Park does a very nice job of kind of like creating this bubble where it feels very small townish, even though you're literally like five minutes away from downtown Orlando. Um, but it kind of feels very compact. Um, but it's it's like super wealthy, you know, like very esoteric kind of restaurants. Like there was, you know, just – they just make macarons, like a whole little shop that just make macarons. And they're fantastic, right? But, like, you could go out for just that one thing. Um, LaBelle doesn't have any of those. No, they don't have that. You know, they've got, got quite a few restaurants. We just got uh, – this is kind of the running joke in town. Um, Domino's Pizza just came. And then um, Papa John's Pizza just opened, like, yesterday. So there is a Pizza Hut, Papa John's, Domino's, Hungry Howie's, a local place called Se- – there's, like, seven pizza places for this one town. But, like, nothing nothing else, really. Like, a couple of Americana restaurants. You guys are killing me. I am. <laughs> yeah, like, we are, we are really <laughs> awesome in that regard. Um, they do have. Do, a cool, they just, do they still have the three for the the Taco Bell Kentucky Fried oh, Chicken? Oh, this is also a big deal. So <laughs> uh, I, I was never there. So there's like a running joke on all the Facebook pages. So one, there's there was like this obsession about when the subway was going to open because the subway was in one <laughs> building and then the guy built his own building and then like so there was always like these running jokes like when is subway going to open and now that it's open people are just like the subway sucks and like bash it. Uh, but recently, I wasn't there when it was the KFC, Taco Bell, what was the other one? Pizza Hut or something? Pizza Hut, yeah. yeah. It was just a KFC, Taco Bell. But as of like a week ago, they too have divorced. So now it's just a Taco Bell. But it was like, <laughs> where, where the hell are we going to get <laughs> fried chicken now? Um, but Popeye's is still there. So I spent a lot of time out in Clewiston back in the 90s. And I remember it was a really big deal when Burger King came to town. Yeah. Because it was the first chain restaurant. Yeah, you know, before yeah. that, you had to go to, you know, the inn or whatever. Right, right. And suddenly, like, you know, lying around the block for Whoppers. <laughs> We've got a McDonald's that is very popular. The Subway, I mean, the Subway, it's even on, at the forefront of my mind. But uh, the the Burger King is very controversial in that some people say it's just absolutely horrible and they never get your order right. So they, like, refuse to go. And then other people are like, it's not that bad. Uh, they, like, closed down and renovated the whole thing. And this was supposed to be this big rebranding. But, uh, alas, apparently it is still not, not up to snuff. And so this is life in in a small town that you drive to and from every day yeah you know it's actually kind of endearing I do enjoy it uh, a lot but it is kind of funny just see these like small things that get people either really excited that like no one would care in Fort Myers if a McDonald's was being built right but like right. Uh, it, it takes on added relevance when when you don't really have those things or you know only one of those things which is kind of funny yeah absolutely um, got a nickname that's stuck throughout your life for me yeah oh no so my parents would call me <clears throat> Ebus and I don't really know e- why E-bis? E-B-I-S when I was, like, younger. I guess it was, like, what they called me when I was, like, a baby or something. I don't really know. Um, 
But nothing really stuck. I was just kind of either called Brandon um, or Jet. Like, you know, like when you play sports and you're like, mm-hmm. like for some reason people just call you by your last name, not your first name, which I never really understood. And then when I when I got older, I guess it's maybe like a like a machismo kind of thing, but a lot of my like newer male friends would be like, hey, Jet, like they would just call you by your last name too. Right. And I always found that very impersonal and really kind of frustrating. Uh, but I don't really have any nicknames that really kind of continued through. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, it's just it's a new question we've been asking. Well, and you lately. know, another thing that I was thinking about as as it kind of forced me to to reflect on my entire life uh, <laughs> is that like I've been like because I've moved so much, like I I am very bad at maintaining friendships and relationships. So like I'm not really friends with anybody I went to high school with. Um, a lot of them still live in Houston and and elsewhere. But you know, like I don't really ma- maintain the like if I went back to Houston and saw them. It would be fine, but, you know, it's not like I, I talk to them regularly. Yeah. I went to college and then moved, so, like, I don't really maintain relationships well. Like, it's a fault of my own. I'm very bad at it. So perhaps no no nicknames have stuck because, I like, none of my relationships have really stuck uh, for an extended period of time, which is kind of a sad a, a sad thing, I guess, in a lot of ways. Are you, like, planning on leaving LaBelle soon? Is that no, what you're saying? No, no. Like, my <laughs> wife is insistent. Like, we, we have got to stay somewhere. Uh, but that's also just kind of the nature of academia. You know, you go and get your PhD and you know it's a short stint. I had a two-year run in in um, Winter Park at Rollins. It was a temporary kind of one-year position that was renewed twice and then here where it's supposed to be more permanent. So hopefully it will be here for, for a little while. Any thoughts on moving into town? Uh, you know, we kind of go back and forth from time to time as as, as fun as, as as it is to kind of critique LaBelle um, and as kind of off-putting and, and tough as it can be to be in a small town and not be from that small town. There's there's a lot of really great things about it. Like our house is, is kick-ass. It's it's on like a, an old oxbow of the river, so it's not connected to the river anymore, but it's very old Florida-y, like big oak trees. We've got like a half an acre. We've got avocado trees that grow. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's like really refreshing to be there and just kind of sit back and 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 kind of admire you know my land as, as <laughs> like a, a guy who never thought that was going to be a real possibility of like being yeah. uh, you know an academic and not making very much money. Like oh, I can like own a house here, and not 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 be broke. Uh, but you know, we kind of come into Fort Myers every now and then, um, more so after we've been vaccinated, which has been kind of nice. We went to Gulf Coast Town Center, uh, met my cousins who flew in, um, and my wife's like, man, this is. Super cool. Like there, there's some cool stuff to do. So I'm hopeful that as my daughter gets a little bit older, we can kind of like utilize uh, and exploit some of the cool things that are in Fort Myers more and more. Right on. Um, time for th- song number three. Song number three. Uh, so song number three uh, is actually a song both my wife and I really enjoy. Uh, it's it's uh, Little Birds by the White Stripes. Um, I was never really a big White Stripes fan. Like. When they first came around, um, the song that sticks out in my head is like the Seven Nation Army, like bum, 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 and that one. And like, I don't know, I just didn't really get it. But I always heard that like Jack White is cool um, and like really jams when when you go to his concerts and stuff. And so like around the time we were in Winter Park, so from 2017 to 2019, I, I kind of started listening to the White Stripes a little bit more and Jack White. Um and so I just really kind of got into them. I thought they were really cool, and and I thought they kind of went pretty hard, and, and I just kind of like his style. Um, and so the song here is one that, that, you know, kind of for no real reason stands out to me and probably will forever stand out to me because it happened to to be the song that came on at, at this really cool moment. Um, so I guess I'll explain it, and then maybe we can we can listen to it a little bit. Proceed. Um, so to kind of set the context, I, I transitioned to parenthood very poorly, uh, I was not not really 
ready, I guess, in a lot of ways. And like even our, our kind of decision to try and have kids was kind of like, yeah, sure, let's try. And I just kind of assumed it would take a long time because that's that's kind of what seemed to be my friend's experience, like years. So I thought, okay, sure, what the hell. Um, and so like uh, two weeks after my <laughs> wife was like, like maybe a month, but like, you know, she was like, hey, guess what? I'm like, oh, uh, so, so like this is a thing. And I was really mad. Getting real. Yeah. And I, you know, like none of our friends really had kids in grad school. And so we were kind of the first ones or one of the first ones. And so I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And so my only real experience is like everybody on Facebook who has kids looks like they're having a really kick-ass time. Like they're having fun. They're like taking pictures with the kid. It looks great. And I always thought I'd be a really good dad and like really love it. Um, and man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And like I, I was so mad. I wasn't sleeping at all. Um, you know, my daughter was was like waking up all hours of the night. This was also like the last six months of, of my PhD. So I had to find a job and, and I did, uh, which was great, but it was also a temporary job. So like we, we moved and like upended all of our social relationships to a place where we were only supposed to be for a year. So we didn't really invest in, in making new social connections. Of course, it got extended another year. So we did a little bit more, but I just, I just adjusted really poorly. And, and I, I was stressed out. I wasn't sleeping a lot. I remember like freaking out, like like not dangerously, but just like yelling at my wife, like, this is what they do to detainees in Guantanamo Bay. Like they keep them up for like hours on end. And so uh, it was just like a really high stress time. And we don't have help. Uh, you know, like our family doesn't live close. Right. They you live don't in have Houston, grandma so, across the way. Yeah, we can't ever like like take her for, for, you know, a day so we can just like sleep in. And so it was just a tough few years for me. And so... 2019, I, I had found this job. Like I, I had accepted the job at FSW. We knew we were moving. We had made some friends, and uh, a couple of colleagues and, and friends invited us to to their house for like a dinner party. Um, and we found a babysitter, and she she was really good. Like she she had been a nanny before she came to Rollins. She was a former student, just just like really good. And and kind of uh, Poppy was drawn to her. They 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 like just meshed really well together. And so our plan was go to this dinner party, you know, go at five, kind of leave at seven thirty, have a couple drinks, and then like come back and do the bedtime routine. And parent, you know, like come in, take a bath, brush your teeth, read the story, put them to bed. Like it's this whole parenting, like, parenting right? Right? Parenting. It's just this like hour long process. You're like, oh, it's so draining, right? <laughs> But that was our plan. We had never not done it, right? Like it, it had always been us. You know, yeah. me or my wife who's doing it. If she was out of town, I was watching Poppy. If if I was out of town, she was doing it. And so we go out and, you know, we had a couple of drinks. We were having a really nice time, like adult conversations with without interruption from like a kid being like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it was really great. And so we're like driving back and um, my wife's kind of like, hey, what do you think if we like called Michelle and, and – Asked her if she would just give Poppy a bath. You know, we could, like, just pop into this little bar here and, like, just have a drink, you and me. All right. So so we, like, went to this little bar um, that we had gone to before, like, during the day to, like, eat lunch and stuff. It was kind of like a restaurant bar kind of bakery. It was this, like, eclectic mix of stuff. And so we went in there and, like, had a couple drinks. And then she was like, hey, what if we, like, called and see if we could, like, put her to bed or something, you know, and we could, like, hang out for just a little bit longer. Like, okay, cool. Um, and so, you know, we, we stayed out to maybe like 10, which is that, you know, like as new parents, like, whoa, this is, this yeah. is like late stuff. Um, and on our way back, we just had like a really nice time, like adult conversations. We really like connected, like reconnected in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because parenthood kind of upended all of those, those I understand. interactions that we had had before. And it was just really this like nice, enjoyable, relaxed, fun evening that we had together. We had with other people. And, and it was really like the first time I was kind of like, hey, 
Like we can do this, you know, like we can kind of have our life back and in ways that also uh, incorporate being parents, too. And so on, on, on the way back from from that bar, you know, we'd had a couple of drinks and, and this song comes on and it, it's kind of got a nice, like kind of hard beat to it. And we like rolled the windows down and just kind of like cruise and sang on our way back. And it was just this really like organic, fun moment, you know, three minutes in the car going back where we were just, I think, both kind of really appreciative of the time we had. Uh, together to kind of reconnect in that way. And so it was really this like signal to me that, hey, we're going to be all right. Like like life is going to be really great kind of now that 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 we've got things kind of headed in a direction and, and we can kind of be a couple and also parents. Um, this must have been the 2012 vehicle. No, this was this this was Dory's car. We could plug in. Oh yeah, we, we, we could plug in. Mine would just be playing like NPR because that's the only station I could. And get. you said your daughter's name is Poppy. Poppy, yeah. Is yeah. that a short for something or is that? No, just P O P V Y, uh, as she will happily tell you. Awesome. Okay, well let's listen to it. Uh, this is uh, Little Bird by the White Stripes from their album. Uh, do you know how to say it? D Distill or something. Distill, right. except what, the first L is a J. Yeah. Released in 2000. <laughs> to replicate it too sometimes uh, we were coming home from somewhere else with, with our daughter in the car and uh, we had had a couple of drinks and my wife's like hey what was that song like what was that song that we listened to that time so I think even she has this like kind of fond memory of that of that kind of moment that just kind of happened that was like hey we're cool we're cool uh, and someday she's gonna be grown up. She's gonna listen to this, and she's be like, "Sorry, I was so rough on you, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I mean, I, I, I do think I'm a good dad, and I'm actually more, more adjusted now. But I just felt like no one really adequately prepared me for what being a dad and being a parent was really gonna be all about. It's just this, like, you just don't sleep. And I know people say that, and you're like, "Yeah, sure," but it's like, no, 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 no. You, you just don't. You don't get to anymore. Uh, and just not even that, but just like neutral time with them is not the same thing as neutral time in normal life because right, right. It's, it's 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 energy draining, right? And, you know, right. not necessarily a bad way, but it right. is. It, it just, is. It just is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love my daughter, by the way. She she's love my daughter. Fantastic. Too. <laughs> I love her to death. Uh, but yeah, just having those moments where you can kind of get away and just kind of be be with you know your wife or someone else that, that you care about and have these conversations that you, you haven't really had the opportunity to do in a few years. is It's just awesome. Nice. Um, uh, if you were a championship wrestler, what song would you come in on? Championship wrestler. You know, I, I was into WWE. I, it was, WWF at the time for like a, a pretty good period from you know like the early 2000s. So you know this world uh, a little bit. I, I mean, I was more familiar then. You know, like my friends and I, we'd all pool our money and like buy the pay per views and stuff. Um, so I don't know what like popular song I would pick, but I always loved Stone Cold's entrance music with like the broken glass uh, and coming in. So something akin to that, where there's like this thing that happens first, and then you kind of like run in there and kind of dump beer all over yourself and give everybody the bird and then just stone cold stunner everyone. Jared, were you going to say something? No, I was just uh I was just looking it up. But at least he didn't say Rocky or Yeah, I know. We get we, we we've we've been on a real rocky run lately. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I had a nickel so um, every time before, somebody said Rocky. I was like going into graduate one of the times I graduated a lot and uh I had said something like, I feel like like there should be a Rocky song playing and someone just assumed I meant Eye of the Tiger. And I was like, no, no, no. The yeah. other one with like the workout montage or like uh, something different. 
But yeah, I don't know what it is about that. Just everyone kind of taps into it as this thing we we should be coming into. It's I the just power of those songs. Is yeah. really you know that that's so tied to it. Um, if you were a cocktail or drink, what would it be, and what would it be called? Oh man, a cocktail drink. It'd have to have some kind of bourbon or scotch in it, I guess. Hmm, maybe just like hairy stomach or something. What's that? I'm just a disgustingly <clears throat> hairy person for for weird ways. But give us some more details uh, on on like how what it would I'd be like presented. to include in what it. What would it be included in it? Okay, so it's called me... the hairy stomach, though. Yeah, that's been, that's yeah. been established. The hairy stomach, because drinking it will put more hair. Like that was the thing my dad would always say. Like drink this, it'll put hair on your on 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 your chest. And I guess I just got got bombarded <laughs> with hair everywhere. But one of the drinks I I've loved and tried to recreate with absolutely no luck. Uh, it was called a smoky pickle. I was in Louisville. Um, and it's it's some parts scotch and some parts pickle juice, uh, and it's like a really peaty scotch. You know, it's got that like that, that yeah. real thick kind of smoky flavor to it. It sounds kind of disgusting, and when I try to recreate it, it kind of is. But this 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 restaurant, it was called Milkwood or something like that, and they just made these. And uh, I was there doing AP grading, and so afterwards you kind of go out and drink with your friends. And I think we went to this restaurant like three times. Uh, it happened to be my birthday too while we were there, so we were just like drinking smoky pickles. And it's one of those ones I would just love to recreate and just cannot do it, and I can't find a, a good recipe for it anywhere, uh, you know, on on the World Wide Web. So if, if anyone knows a recipe for a good smoky pickle, uh, I'd love to have it, but it I'm was thinking just thinking you'd throw in a little like one of those little smokies or a little Vienna sausages oh, yeah, or something. That'd be absolutely <laughs> disturbing and disgusting. <laughs> it was fantastic though, and it's, it's, it sounds kind of odd, but and I'm not a huge pickle fan, but something about that combination. Okay, so the the hairy belly, the hairy belly, hairy, hairy stomach, hairy the, stomach, the hairy stomach is is part scotch or whiskey and part pickle juice. Yeah, but I think it almost has to be scotch so it's a little smoky, like right. peaty, yeah, like yeah. real peaty, like Lagavulin or something. Scotch, like, and like it's really like peaty. a dirty scotch, like a dirty martini is a pickle juice martini. Have you ever had one of those? I've never had, I'm, I'm not a huge <laughs> olive juice person oh. so I kind of shy away from martinis, although I'm trying to build up the courage to like be sophisticated enough to, to drink those. Any TV theme song committed to memory that you'd sing for and with us? Man, any TV theme songs... I mean, the one we listen to that's kind of always ingrained in my head is The Office just because it, it was this, like, show. You know, we just had no Netflix words and kind of play it. There's no words, but it's like, like, that is kind of always there. I'm trying to think of another show. Ugh. I mean, I guess it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Daniel Tiger, my wife uh, and and I oh. were watching Daniel Tiger. Pretty See, regularly. I only know Daniel Tiger from the the wall out here in the hallway. Yeah, so he, he's he's basically like Mister Rogers, uh, right. just kind of the cartoon version. So they don't ever have to replace him. Uh, you know, when Fred Rogers, it's CGI away. Fred Rogers, right, right. But it's kind of it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. But it's a little bit different with Daniel Tiger, and I can't remember the exact difference. Let's hear the Daniel there. Tiger theme song. Let's do this. We've really taken a trip to, like, adolescent uh, yeah. music today. I love it. Because, like I said, I don't know. But my it, Daniel Tiger was not there when my daughter was yeah. little, so Daniel Tiger's come along since. So I know Daniel Tiger's a thing. I know it's in the Mr. Rogers genre, but I don't know much more than that. Yeah, you know, like, the characters are all kind of taken from, from Mr. Rogers and, I guess, just given... It's a little bit different, though. So far, it's the same, I think. Daniel Tiger's 
Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, a land of make-believe. Won't you ride along with me? So a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So see, this is parenthood, right? Like, what songs stand out to you? It's all these old, like, young kid songs that are just there. Uh, but yeah, The Office is one that, that we, we watched a lot. Not anymore since they took it off of Netflix and it's on that Peacock streaming service. But that song is always kind of up there. But no words. No words. Um, peak concert experience. Peak concert experience. Oh, yikes. So one of the, so I don't know if it's peak concert experience, but it's one that stands out to me as like, so um, ACL was, was, was like a big, I mean, it continues to be a big thing. But I went to school in San Marcos, which is just, just down the road from Austin, Texas. So, you know, you kind of go up there a lot and um, Fish, the band Fish, like PF, yeah. I, they, they were going to be headlining and I really wanted to go. I was really excited. They, like, rarely had come around there, and I was super pumped. Um, and so I had bought tickets to go to this, you know, the full day, Saturday. I was ready to rock and roll. Uh, and this is, is kind of right when my my now wife and I, like, just started dating. So, like, brand-new couple, and I had kind of brought up to, like, me and my guy friends were going to go. I had been single for a long time, like, just selfish, single, living by myself. <clears throat> and then she's like, hey, I'd, I'd, I'd love to come, you know? And you're like, oh. Okay, you know, you didn't want to be rude, but it's like, it supposed to be this, like, thing. And then, you know, she came, and, like, we had a really great time. I was really glad she came, but uh, she likes Vampire Weekend. I hate Vampire Weekend. I, I just don't like their style of music. It's just not my thing. They were playing before, uh, you know, at some point before Fish was later. In the, so we, like, went to Vampire Weekend. Like, I hated it. We were, like, drinking, you know, and other stuff, and... Uh, Fish was about to cut, you know, like, all right, we got to wrap up Vampire Weekend. And like, doo -doo -doo -doo. I just feel like all their songs are just some iteration of like, doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> it was like, okay, fine. Like, I, I sat through the entire thing. Sounded right like there. Morse code. Yeah, like their, <laughs> their entire Morse code playlist. Uh, and we were like getting ready to go to Fish. She's like, I just got to go to the bathroom first. And then she kind of looks, she's like, I can't, I can't go. Like, I've had too much to drink. Like, yeah, she's partied out. Yeah, like it's it's too late. And ACL will do that to you. You yeah. know, it starts early. You kind of drink all day. You're having a great time, and then at some point, the sun, alcohol, and just uh -huh. like being in that environment just kind of kicks your ass. And and it 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 kind of snuck up on her and kind of kicked her ass. She's like, I I just ha like I have to go. It's like. You sure? You sure? Like, you know, it's just right there. We can stay you can like just lay down yeah, right, next right, to me right. during the show. Uh, and, and so I actually never got to see it. We, we, we like, had Did to leave. Did you hear them? I mean, were you... As we were walking up, right? Like, but 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 they're there. They're there. Like, you sure? You're just like, look, I, I just... I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, apologizing profusely. Uh, she was a really good sport about it. Uh, but that was this one that, like... I don't hold it over her head, but I know she has, has been looking for, like, a way to, to get... Get us tickets to go see fish ever since. We've been married almost a decade now. Uh, they've come close. Like, there are some places, I think, in, like, South um, Alabama or Mississippi where they play, like, Gulf Shores or something like that. Um, but we just haven't been able to, like, pull the trigger. But she, she has, like, made, had made it very well known that one day in, in, in the future she will take me to a fish concert to make up for that. But I remember that was just this, like, moment of, like— so this, like, dating means you can't just be this, like, selfish person where uh -huh. you only look out for yourself and do what you want to do. I've well, got some a... people approach it that way. Yeah, I guess maybe being, <laughs> being a good yeah. and healthy relationship and I just <clears throat> asking her so many times as she's, like, leaning, uh, you know, on this, like, trash can or porta potty like, I got to go. Like, I got to go. 
You sure? Like they're right there. Get you some thing. water. It's like so close. I was so close to seeing fish, a band I'd wanted to see for so long, and just never able to really quite get there. Quite get there. Fish came to <clears throat> the Everglades really? for the two thousand for the millennial New Year. Ah. And my friend group, uh, the the debate was: Do we go to that? Or do we just go camping in the woods like we normally do on New Year's Mm because we have this property we've been camping on forever? We went to camping, which I was a little bit like, "Ah." but then the the traffic situation turned out to just be a total freaking nightmare. Mm -hmm. And like half the people didn't make it to the concert because they were still three miles away waiting in line. Yeah. So in the end, it worked out. So I'm not the (laughs) only one who has has tickets to go see fish and is unable to do it. Uh, So um, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet simultaneously, which would it be? If I could broadcast a song into the head of every person simultaneously, what would it be? Man, so I'm thinking of like, okay, some songs that I really like to listen to. I'm 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 kind of interested in the Dave Matthews band. I like them a lot, but I don't think that's necessarily We call something. them Dave on this show. Yeah, Dave. You don't have to expose everybody to that. Uh, you know, some people get into it. It would probably have to be something from like the classic genre. It's like a nod to my dad and kind of how I grew up and what I listened to. I mean, I'm thinking maybe something from, like, Led Zeppelin. I mean, Stairway to Heaven is kind of a cop-out. I don't think that's necessarily, like, the best song ever. But I think it's one that you kind of have to know if you want to, like, be in conversations about good classic songs. Um, Maybe, like, okay, okay. Something maybe a little bit different. The Daniel Thies Tiger Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Frozen, Frozen. Uh, Okay, so Little Wing, Stevie Ray Vaughan's version of Little Wing, uh, I absolutely love. Um, I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. I think he's super cool. Or like Life by the Drop, maybe another like Stevie Ray. I think he, I don't know how widely Stevie Ray Vaughan is appreciated outside of Texas. Because in Texas, it's, you know, there's a statue of him in Austin. Um, And I actually worked his, was it his brother's wedding? I used to valet park cars in Austin and his brother was getting married and uh, we kind of worked that wedding. But I think everybody needs a good appreciation for Stevie Ray Vaughan. So I would say either Little Wing or um, Life by the Drop. Okay. Um, uh, song, if you had to guess, that you've listened to the most times in your life. Song that I've listened to the most times in my entire life. Huh. So I kind of do this thing where I listen, like I'll get kind of fixated on a song or a group and just like listen to it again and again and again, uh, like on my iPod or like now my phone and stuff. So I guess it kind of comes in in, in waves, whatever I'm, I'm into. But the song that I have listened to the most over and over throughout my life. I mean, I'd hate to say it. It's probably like Free Fallen, you know, like Tom Petty has always been there. My dad liked him. He was kind of one of those like, yeah, I like I like Free Fallen. It's always on the radio or at least has been. I don't know how much it will be moving into the future. So I guess a Tom Petty, a Tom Petty version. Most overplayed song of all time? Most overplayed song of all time. I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Like, I guess I kind of get the attraction to Bruce Springsteen, but I just don't like, like, Born to Run. So maybe that one is is one that's like, everyone's like, oh, like Bruce Springsteen, he's this, like, guy you got to know in the lexicon of great artists. I just don't really like 
him, uh, or I guess now any Beatles song, <laughs> any and all of the Beatles songs. Uh, I guess the more they get played and the older you get, it's like they're just not that good. Uh, I don't know. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are here today? 14-year-old self. God, why haven't you maintained any of the relationships that you you forged and were so important to you when you were 14? Uh, and I don't know, maybe just kind of asking where the hell is LaBelle uh, and how did you end up there and and hopefully a healthy appreciation for, you know, what, what I've accomplished and a musical appreciation for some of the songs that kind of the bluesy songs that I think maybe young people don't appreciate as much because they're just so excited and like their whole life is ahead of them and everything is looking up and positive and being like, hey, there's some real value in some of these songs that maybe speak to a little bit of truth that isn't quite as as kind of optimistic. Uh, some value in that, too. Would your 14-year-old self be surprised you were a published author? Because you have a book coming out, right? I do have a book coming out, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up thinking I would be a millionaire. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe that's just something that like all – People growing up in, like, upper-middle-class white suburbs assume will happen. Uh, I just kind of assumed, yeah, like, it'll probably happen. I'm sure. smart is the thing. So I guess I'd be um, a little disappointed that perhaps I'm not getting compensated uh, in ways that maybe you would assume, like, oh, you wrote a book. You're probably going to make money off of that book. And like, no, no. It's not really how this kind of book works. It's out. <laughs> it's out there. So hopefully be like, hey, that's cool. Why didn't you make money off of it? Uh, and so trying to like trying to explain the academic publishing world to anybody uh, is weird. Like, so you did this thing, you spent a lot of time on it, and how much did you make for it? And you're like, well, well, zero, zero dollars. Like, why did you do it again? And then you kind of, I, I don't know. So uh, hopefully be impressed, but then also have those questions of like, why, why, <laughs> why? The value of 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 the intellectual arguments, I guess. Okay, it is time for you to recommend your three people. Recommend my three people. Um, so first, most people I talk to are just like super pumped about the whole idea of three song stories. Um, I think it's a really cool idea. Um, three people I would recommend. Um, so one, I, his, his, his name is Mark Bickle. He works for the News Press. Uh, he he was not too excited about the idea. He basically said, I only listen to U2 and that's it, so I don't know how interesting it would all Mark, be. Mark, you can pick three U2 songs. Uh, right, right. So, uh, But he he is a guy that I think just just tells good stories and and kind of knows a lot of cool – he just has has this kind of wealth of knowledge. Um, another guy is Ryan Wurst. He, he works at FSW. He's uh, kind of building their digital arts program. He's a super cool kind of artistic kind of guy. Um, and just like has has uh, a lot of interests uh, that that are pretty wide ranging um, and just kind of broad. Um, he's kind of a local guy. Another guy I'll recommend. He's not local, but he he is from Fort Myers. You you know him actually, Nick Foreman from Dust Congress fame. Oh right, 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 um, right. Yeah. He's out in Oregon right now, but uh, just just a guy who's got a ton of, of really interesting stories. Um, kind of creates music, knows a lot of of different genres of music, and it's just kind of a, a fascinating person that I think would really jump at the opportunity. You know, he still comes back. His parents live in Fort Myers, so maybe we can yeah. convince him to, to come he down and his to band Fort Myers. Music in this studio yeah, that we're yeah. in right now. So he could kind of, you know, just be brought brought back down memory lane and get all nostalgic about 
Mike Canary, uh, the last time he came here. That would be great. I think um, that'd be cool. So Nick Foreman, you should definitely Nick uh, Foreman. It would be good to have you back. That was probably 15 years ago or something yeah. like that. Well, I you know, when I guess. first said I, I, I was coming to talk to you the first time we did, like a couple months ago, he said, "Is Mike Canary still down there?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's still there." I, and he told me, I "Like, I yeah, am. we we like played the show like in the studio." Yep. Um, uh, Jared, you've been recording all this time, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I'm not prepared to have this conversation again. Like, yeah, like, no, like I, I just have to, before we say goodbye, I just have to let our listeners know that for only the second time in my career, Brandon came in for an interview about... Uh, well, tell them real quick. It was about uh, the, the Lynching the and LaBelle, and LaBelle. Like digital history project. Uh, so... I, I it, it was like a Friday afternoon. It was like kind of like now, and I had had a really long day, and my brain was tired. And I get like twenty minutes into a twenty-five minute interview, and I look <laughs> down, and I'm like, I didn't start recording. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought it was a really fantastic interview. It's a shame no one else so will be good. able to hear it. It was so good. The first so version good. was so much better. So much better. And then we had to pretend like we didn't just have the exact same conversation previously. When my wife was listening to it, I told her, I was like, if you listen to that that interview that was recorded, I kind of chuckle at the beginning. And I was like, that's because he stopped like one second before that. I was like, all right, and we're going to start all over. You were a real trooper. I appreciate it. Oh, it was awesome. That okay. Was awesome. Uh, well, that's it. You've done it. Do you have any final thoughts? No, just thanks for having me on. It's a great idea and a great way to to encourage people to reflect on on their life. So I certainly appreciate the opportunity to to kind of do that in ways that I haven't really really done myself. Uh, so thanks. Awesome, thank you. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and host. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Jared, the intern Gonzalez, directed today's show. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm tapping into my late 80s musical earworm memories because of the way she drives me crazy took me back in time. When I dug deep, the first thing that popped into my head was the song Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby. It was everywhere. But the funny thing is, the memory that came along with it takes me back to Fort Myers Country Club. I played golf for Fort Myers High School, and when I was a freshman, there was a time when one of the upperclassmen, a guy named David Goldberg, was singing this song a cappella style while we were walking down the fairway over and over. I remember it so clearly. Isn't that strange, but also, you know, magical? By the way, I looked him up, and David is an attorney in Fort Myers, so if anyone hears this, knows him, tell him to look us up. We can see if Wishing Well might be one of his three songs still to this day. Keep listening.